Hello and welcome to Scintillating Stories. In this show, we read short stories by a variety of authors. Today's tale is a dystopian science fiction. It explores the pressures of society to be useful when you feel completely useless. The Useless Citizens Act by Ellis Jameson. R. Smith. The official records of the International Government Administration Office for Scotland tell us that you turned 25 years of age before the 31st of December 2107. As you will be aware, from January 1st to March 31st each year, every citizen between the ages of 25 and 85 must, by law, comply with all regulations regarding the Useless Citizen Act. An abridged version of the regulations of the Act is as follows. 1. Every citizen must be officially employed and able to support themselves as an individual unit without any governmental or familial support. 2. Every citizen must be completely free of criminal convictions of grade 2 or above. Any citizen with a level 1 conviction must have completed their societal repayment plan in accordance with their court order prior to December 31st of the year in which the conviction was made. 3. Every citizen must be healthy and not suffer from any long-term physical or mental illness which would cause them to be out of work for more than two months or that might require excess health care exceeding the £200,000 fund allocated to each citizen by the international government at the time of their birth. Please provide evidence to support your adherence to each of these criteria before the 20th of December. Citizens located within the Highlands may send their proof of usefulness to the International Government Administration Office for Scotland, Scottish Highlands Branch, Inverness Castle, View Place, Inverness, IV2, 3EG. If you do not meet these criteria or cannot obtain a government-approved form of evidence to support your adherence to these criteria, you may expect the arrival of a secondary email within 14 days, which will provide you with your expiration date and time as well as a pamphlet containing additional useful information on ways to correctly set your affairs in order. Yours sincerely, Lisa Cobb, Chief Administration Officer for Scotland. The dark inside the doctor's cupboard is actually quite relaxing. Or it would be, if it weren't for the incessant knocking of the nurses on the door. I ignore their polite requests to come out. For the past ten minutes, the politeness has been getting sharper, more strained, but I have to admit I'm still impressed it's there at all. I suppose customer service is always important, even when dealing with the condemned. Another tap-tap, and the voice of an overly friendly woman blows through the keyhole. Miss Smith? Miss Smith, you really need to come out now? No, I don't. The funny thing about death is that it really puts what you need into perspective. I apparently needed to eat five pieces of fruit and veg a day to help me live longer. Clearly not. Miss Smith, please... Open the door. There's nothing to worry about, Miss Smith. The procedure is completely painless. You won't feel a thing. Oh, yeah? I finally found my voice and I find it defiant. I'd love to read some of your customer reviews. Better yet, talk to someone who knows what I'm going through. I do the air quotes, despite knowing that none of them can see me. I feel like my body should match my voice and at least do something a little more interesting than huddle on top of the upturned mop bucket. There's silence on the other side of the door. Much to my annoyance, I find my ears straining to hear what's going on. Part of me fears what they'll do next, now that they've got me talking. 
The other part of me, the bigger, suddenly braver bit, makes me smile like an idiot simply for knowing that I made them speechless. Miss Smith, the little high-pitched chirrup of a voice has an obviously well-practiced apologetic tone to it. It makes my nose wrinkle and I cover my head with my hands. My wrists press against my ears and I listen to the rapid beat of the pulse the doctors want to stop. It doesn't block her out. We are very sorry, but the law states that unless you can prove that you're useful to society, then under the Useless Citizen Act, society is obliged to shoot me then. That's not how it's done, Miss Smith. The nurse sounds like an adult talking to a difficult child. The vibrato in her voice gives her a nasty, anxious, tittering tone. You need to come out of the cupboard now and... Or what? Or you'll miss your appointment slot! Her tenor darts up an octave. That's a level four! A level four felony, punishable by... Oh yeah, death! Fuck you! Miss Smith! The short, sharp voice of a man comes through the keyhole. He sounds like one of those types to iron creases into his trouser legs. Miss Smith, I have to ask you not to swear at my staff. Abuse of our employees is not something we tolerate in this practice and certainly not by a useless citizen. What are you going to do? Kill me? Fuck you! Fuck you all! Fuckity fuck fucking fuck you, you fuckers! It doesn't help. Even when I imagine the aghast expressions of the nurses or the dainty trout pout receptionist falling sideways off her swivel chair, it doesn't help. There's a strange feeling in my chest that reminds me of a crack in the earth. Only the lava bubbling up from underneath can't decide if it's going to pour out in a flood or burst in a bright, fiery explosion. Madam, your behaviour is inappropriate and you're going to kick me out, are you? I... The man's reply is cut short by his own lack of brain power. It's kept short by the hissing whispers of the nurses. Probably the shrill one. For a split second, I'm almost hopeful. I swallow the bubbling lava and just breathe in through my nose and out through my dry volcano mouth. I try and enjoy breathing, or at least to make the most of it. A little voice in my head suggests speeding them up to get more in before I kick the bucket, but I don't particularly want to encourage the panic attack that's been threatening to choke me for the past few days. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. The cleaning cupboard smells of dust and varnished wood. Miss? I bite my tongue. Miss Smith, are you? I still alive. No one laughs. I just thought we should tell you that you've missed your appointment. The police have been called to remove you and will be here soon. Dear Miss R. Smith, Post, Cleaning Operative 3, Inverness Royal Academy, HGH 03591. I refer to your application for the above post. On this occasion, we must advise you that you have been unsuccessful. We noted with interest your experience and achievements. However, another candidate more closely matched the person's specification for this post. Thank you for your interest and best wishes for the future. Regards, Business Support, HR, C&L. I can feel the crack growing. The bubbling has reached my throat and is forming lumps that I can't swallow. The figments of my imagination pretending to be soot and ash are the things making me sniff and gasp. I'm not crying. I'm not. I didn't get it. I shrink into the worn cream leather of the armchair. My husband perches on the arm of the chair, reading the email over the top of my head. 
I can't tell if the weight of his arm around my shoulders helps or not. He's there for me. That's good. At least that's what I tell the part of myself that wants the earth to swallow me. His arm gives me a squeeze. Pressure on the top of my head tells me he's kissed me. I push the corners of my mouth up and my vision blurs. A quick wipe of my hand over my face does nothing except smear the fake smile. I destroy the contortion with a sharp sniff. Oh well. His voice is light. It floats somewhere above me while my mind hovers in the twilight phase that always comes before one of my moods. Just wasn't meant to be, I guess. He repeats our new philosophy to me, the one we came up with to beat the depression, and kisses the top of my head again. I feel him breathe out into my hair. His warmth makes me feel cold. Sorry. The second the word comes out of my miserable mouth, he takes the laptop from my knees and sets it on the floor. I think he's turned the screen away from me on purpose. He's good like that. Kneeling down, he shuffles forward until my knees are hugging his hips. His arms wrap me up in that dark space against his chest. His heartbeat steadies my unstable breaths. The choking feeling doesn't ease, but it doesn't get any worse either. You have nothing to be sorry for, love. My hiding place tightens around me, leaving less space for the scariness of the outside world. I mumble into the fluff of his old wool jumper. I hate disappointing you. Reggie, you haven't. It's not the end of the world. You'll find something else and we'll be fine. It's all fine, love. It's a rejection letter, not a death sentence. Feels like it is. Well, it's not. It just means the job wasn't for you. The right one will come along soon. His hand on the top of my head holds me in his safe little nook. The feel of his fingertips against my scalp makes me sleepy. I just want to sleep, sleep and not wake up. I just... I, f I feel... I feel like I'm completely useless. You're not useless, love. I am. I dropped out of uni. Depression and anxiety keep getting worse and now I can't get... I, ca I can't even get a simple fucking job. My voice is broken, but I don't care. My panic has caught me and suddenly I'm drowning in it. I, th I thought the interview went well. I thought they liked me. I don't understand. I feel the warmth of his palms rub my back, slow and steady, like soothing a baby. I suppose I am just one big baby. Reggie. His voice is soft, but stern. Stop it. I sniff and speak into his jumper. I don't want to come out of the safe place he's built for me. Stop what? You know what. Miss Smith? I press my palms against my ears, but somehow her voice still breaks through. Miss Smith, we need you to come out of the cupboard now. The shake in the nurse's voice makes the lava fume in the pit of my stomach. I can feel the anger rising out of it like smoke and catching in my throat. Maybe it is smoke. It's definitely not bravery anymore. I don't know if I'd ever have really called locking myself in a cupboard and refusing to come out brave. Miss Smith, this is pointless. The man, presumably the doctor who was appointed to put me down, tells me through the keyhole. Your time is up. You can't hide in there forever, so you might as well give up this little charade and come with us. I don't know what makes it worse. The fact that I know he's right, or the fact that he thinks I'm too dumb to realise it myself. Miss Smith, the police are coming. You really should come out. You really should. I grit my teeth and press my hands harder against the sides of my head. Nails in scalp. The nurse's voice sounds too much like I feel. Anyone would think she's never had an objecting patient in her practice before. 
I take a minute to wonder if I'm really so bad at existing that I'm the only one who doesn't have the sense to roll over and die when they tell me to. Open the door, Miss Smith. Everything will be a lot easier if you do. I run my hand over my face. It comes away wet, which rather settles the issue. They don't get to see me cry. I'll be Schrodinger's cat, both alive and dead, as long as I'm safe inside this dark little space. Only when there's nothing left to do but break it down will they find out that I'm already dead inside. Reggie, stop it. Stop what? You know what. Stop listening to them. He means the voices. Not voices, really. We've taken to characterising my depression and anxiety to help deal with them. They're easier to ignore if they're people, an other instead of a part of me. After four years of marriage, he knows exactly when I'm listening to them. I can't help it. I feel his arms shift around me, loosening. The darkness begins to brighten, but I cling to it, pressing my forehead against the sharp angle of his collarbone with a soft moan of objection. I hear his lungs puff. The little laugh stays hidden in his chest, but that doesn't mean I don't hear it. The next time I sniff, some of the ash in my throat slips back down. It's a little easier to breathe. Come on, his voice says next to my ear. I'll run you a bath. I make another little moan, arms clinging around his middle. I'll put some of the smelly candles on. He knows my weak spots too well. Another moan and a little grumble is all he's getting as a reply. His finger finds my cheek and strokes it. I don't want to smile, but for him I do. Eventually I nod too. Washing it off will help. Good. The darkness recedes and far too soon the world outside his arms is real again. The whole struggle happens in a surreal silence. The door bursts open. The shelves flood with light, revealing dust and dirt spread across the spray bottles and mop heads. My eyes only just glimpse the spiders fleeing before hands grab me and drag me into the light. I can't breathe, but somehow I still smell the sterile scent of the doctor's surgery. My eyes are clouded with stinging tears, so when I hear the doctor tell me to just relax, I can only make out the very edges of his face above me. He looks like a shadow. Below my back is something hard. Inside, the sinking feeling has warped to a sunken one. I grip the rails on either side of me while my muscles fight, pull me up or hold me down. In the end, I think they do both. Don't worry, it'll be over soon. I want to spit at him. I want to rage and blast the boiling anger that's burning in my chest into his face. But when I finally scream, all that comes out is bubbles. Thank you so much for listening. Today's story was first published in Shoreline of Infinity, issue 9. You can find out more about the magazine at shorelineofinfinity.com. This has been a Yorick Radio production.